Good morning. Good morning. All right, awesome. It's it's really good to see you all this morning. Uh, I am not Alex Shipman. Uh, I am Amos Williams. I am uh, the pastoral intern here at the church. Uh, Alex is taking a much-needed vacation today, and so I stand before you all this morning uh, to preach the Word of God. Uh, so want to thank you all for coming out this morning. Uh, it's great to see all of your beautiful faces, even if you have masks on. You're still beautiful, and it's great to, to see you all this morning. Uh, there is a little bit of an audible. If you have uh, a uh, bulletin, uh, the sermonic text says that it's James 5, uh, chapter, uh, ch- chapter 5, verses 13 through 20. Uh, the Spirit called a bit of an audible, and we are going to actually preach from the book of Psalm today. Uh, the book of Psalms, chapter 37. And we're going to look at one verse. Uh, Psalm 37, verse number 25. And this is what it says. This is God's word. Please listen carefully. I have been young and now am old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his descendants begging bread. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we need you in this moment. Father, we need you to be serious about your glory. Because God, we know that you are serious. We know that you are passionate, that you care most about your glory. So, God, glorify yourself in this moment. Father, you have revealed yourself to us in Scripture as a God who is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, a God who keeps steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sins, but you are a God who will by no means clear the guilty. God, since that is your character, since that is who you've eternally revealed yourself to be, we put our hope and our trust, our faith in that God. Because it is who you are. It is the reality of who you are. You are a God who never fails. You are an all-powerful, all-knowing, holy, holy, holy God. So, Lord, in this moment, we pray that your spirit would move, that your spirit would mend hearts, that it would speak to broken hearts, that it would speak to the downtrodden, that it would speak to those who don't know Jesus, and that true regeneration would begin within their hearts in this moment, Lord. God, use me as a vessel to proclaim the truth of your gospel. And Lord Jesus, we thank you that while we were yet in sin, you decided to do something about it. And the gospel is the true story of the hero dying for villains. 
Because while we were yet in sin, you died for us. So God, triune God, in this moment, glorify yourself. May you be exalted. May you be lifted up by the words of Scripture and by the words that will proceed from my mouth. It is in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that I do pray. Amen. Full disclosure, this morning, uh, the sermon that I am going to preach should make you uncomfortable. It should make you think. It should make you run to the scriptures to see if, in fact, what I am saying is actually true. The sermon today should challenge you. It should make you understand how small you are. (laughs) But this sermon should also cause you to run to the arms, the open arms of your Father in heaven. Have you ever heard something that just didn't quite add up? Have you ever seen something that just didn't quite make a whole bunch of sense? Well, the reality is that there are a few things in Scripture that sometimes don't add up. They don't, on a first reading, make a whole lot of practical sense. Take, for instance, in Judges 11, Jephthah makes a rash vow uh, that he will sacrifice to God whatever the next thing is that walks through the gate. And through the gate walks Jephthah's own daughter. What do you do with that? That is in the scriptures. Or take, for instance, Revelation 19 and 20, where the scriptures talk about this 1,000-year gap of time that theologians for centuries can't understand what it means. There are several things in the scriptures that upon a first reading just don't make a whole lot of sense. But my brothers and sisters, as we examine this text today and as we are mindful and thoughtful of other texts in scripture, I want us to remember this, that God in Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit is causing all things to work together for the good of them who are called according to his purposes. I'll say that again. God, in Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, is causing all things, the things that don't quite add up, the things that don't quite 
make a whole lot of sense. God is causing all things to work together for the good of them who love him and who are called according to his purposes. Now, the human tendency when we see difficult things in life, but more specifically when we see difficult things in Scripture, is to rationalize or philosophize our arguments in order to explain away tension when we find it in the text. But I don't want us to do that with this passage on today. I want us to sit with what I will show you is the difficulty with this particular text on today. I don't want to try to explain away the tension within the text. Rather, I want us to embrace the tension that we find in this text. And as we look at verse number 25 of Psalm 37, I want us to consider three things as we consider the passage. I want us to consider the biblical and historical presence and reality of evil. I want us to consider the current presence and reality of evil. But then I want us to rejoice in the future reality that one day evil will become history. I want to say that again because I think y'all kind of missed it. (laughs) I want us to consider that evil has happened. Evil is a reality. That evil does happen. We're a living witness of that. We're in the midst of a global pandemic. My brothers and sisters, that is evil. But I want us to rejoice in the fact that one day death will die. One day, the reign of terror, of sin and evil will be over as we consider verse 25 of Psalm 37. So let's look at the history of evil. By the way, I'm preaching from my laptop. I never do that, but the printer wasn't working. So I just wanted to give you all full disclosure while this huge laptop is up here. All right. So first, a history of evil. Whenever you look at the Psalms, uh, the Psalms, they're just my favorite. It's like I I love the Psalms. So if you know anything about Amos, know that he loves the book of Psalms. But whenever you look at the Psalms, it's always a good idea to read the Psalms in light of Psalms 1 and 2, and also in light of Psalm 150. All right, so Psalms 1 and 2 begin the Psalter, and Psalm 150 ends the Psalter. So they act as a sort of a bookend to the book of Psalms. Psalm 1 introduces us to a few characters It introduces us to the righteous man, the blessed man, the happy man who walks 
in the counsel of God, who loves the law of God, whose joy is the law and whose, whose joy is the law, the righteous word of God. But it also introduces us to the wicked. The wicked man, the wicked man is the evil one, the unrighteous one, the one who is anti-Christ, anti-God. And then Psalm 2 introduces us to God, Yahweh, and his anointed, the Lord's anointed, who is Jesus Christ. Is a picture of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. Now, historically, the Lord's anointed could be Uh, David, or anyone from the royal Davidic line. But, again, it is an Old Testament picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the blessed man, the happy man from Psalm 1, is connected to the Lord's anointed. And as long as the happy man, the blessed man from Psalm 1, is connected to the Lord's anointed, All things will be cool. (laughs) Everything will be great because the happy man has supernatural protection because of Yahweh's everlasting covenant that he made with the Davidic royal line in 2 Samuel chapter 7. Now, Psalms 150 actually Uh, Psalms 145 through 150, they end the Psalter with praises to God for his actions in creation and for the display of his power on behalf of his covenant people. So the question is, in light of that, how should we live? How should we as the people of God, how then should we live? And this question has been on the lips of God's people throughout the generations. This idea shows up in the book of Isaiah, chapter 29. The idea also shows up in the book of 2 Peter, chapter 3. And the presuppositional Christian philosopher Francis Schaeffer wrote a book (laughs) And did a video series with the same name. How then should we live? Sorry, guys. My PDF just went haywire here. All right. And so Psalm 37 as we look at verse 25, is a wisdom psalm. It is a wisdom psalm uh, from King David to assist God's people, to help God's people uh, live with wisdom, trust, and righteousness despite the prosperity of the wicked. I want you to see this from the rest of the passage. I could have read the entirety of Psalm 37, but I didn't want to do that (laughs) because I didn't want you guys to kind of check out on me. But I want you to see this dynamic of the righteous and the wicked all the way through the Psalm 
Psalm uh, Psalm 37. In verse 1, the wicked are evildoers and they are wrongdoers. In verse 3, the righteous are those who trust in the Lord. In verse 4, the righteous are those who delight in the Lord. Verse 5, the righteous are those who commit themselves to the Lord. In verse 7, the righteous are those who rest in the Lord. And they do not fret uh, because of the one who, who prospers in his way, because of the wicked man, because of the schemes of the wicked. So the wicked in verse 7 are those who have wicked schemes. In verse 9, again, the wicked are evildoers who will be cut off. In verse 11, 11, the righteous is the one who is humble. Verse 12, the wicked is the one who plots against the righteous. In verse 13, it says that the Lord laughs at the wicked. Because the wicked in foolishness, in verse 14, have drawn the the sword and bent their bow. And something that is unique about Psalm 2 in correlation to Psalm 37, Psalm 2 tells us that he who sits in the heaven in the heavens laughs at the schemes, the would-be schemes of the wicked, of his enemies. Let's continue. In verse 17, the wicked are those whose arms will be broken, but the righteous is the one who the Lord sustains. In verse 18, the righteous are blameless. In verse 20, the wicked are those who will perish, those who will vanish. In verse 22, the righteous are those who are blessed by God and will inherit the land. In verse 23, the righteous are the ones whose steps are established by God and who delight in the way of God. In verse 24, the righteous is the one who holds the Lord's hand. So you see this pattern of the righteous and the wicked even through chapter 37. Now, there's something that I want you to see because all of those verses lead us up to verse 25. And in verse 25, David has been rifting on this juxtaposition of the righteous and the wicked. And then out of nowhere, he interjects praise into his rhythm. He breaks his, he breaks his stride, he breaks his rhythm, and he interjects 
a praise right into the middle of the rhythm that he established. But there's something peculiar about it. I'll read it again. David says, I have been young and now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his descendants begging bread. Now, there's a there's a peculiarity about that because it causes you to think about David's life. I mean, think about it. Think about David's life for a moment. We're 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 familiar with David's life. He's had a pretty rough go at it. Uh, he's had a tough go at it in certain points of his life, and it puts, in a sense. David's witness on the line because you have to ask, well, is that true? Because think about this. David was almost killed multiple times. David, when he prayed what was probably the most fervent prayer that any father had ever prayed over a child, lost his beloved, one of his beloved children. David was on the run throughout most of the book of 1 Samuel because his life was in danger. And not only does this put david's witness on the line but it kind of makes you think well he's saying something about god here and so it kind of put puts god's character on the line now in my own prayer life i love exodus 34 i often start my prayers off with uh, god's proclamation of his character that we see in Exodus 34. And in Exodus 34, again, uh, God, he comes down in a, in a cloud and uh, proclaims his character to his prophet Moses. And this is what God says. He says, I am God, a God who is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sins, but will by no means clear the guilty. But think about it. Genesis 3 happened. God allowed Genesis 3 to happen. He had a plan. But it happened. And so this is what I want us to remember. That God in Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, is causing all of those things to work together for the good of them who love him and who are called according to his promises. My brothers and sisters, the reality is. Philosophically. Some of those things don't make sense, but God is using all things together for 
the good. Now, that is a history of evil, but let, let's consider evil in the present because Psalm 37 causes us to force, it, it forces us to deal with some of the barriers to the Christian faith. And so what are some of the, the weapons that people try to use against God today? What are the the swords and bows that modern men and women use to plot against God today? So perhaps instead of actual swords and bows, it's your pride. Perhaps instead of a bow, it's your riches that make you feel that you can be independent from God. Or perhaps it's your intellect that makes you think that you can outthink an omniscient and omnipresent God. And so perhaps instead of thinking that we can beat God with with swords and bows, we think we can beat him with our idolatry and our pride. And my brothers and sisters, think about it. What is one of the major questions that keeps people from trusting in God? Well, it's this. If God is all good and all powerful, then why does evil and suffering exist? If there is a God, surely he's not all good because he allows evil and suffering. And if there is a God, he surely is not all powerful because he can't do anything to stop the pain and suffering. Perhaps this is what modern bows and swords look like. But my brothers and sisters, one thing that sets the Christian faith apart from every other faith, and you can take this home with you, is that Our God took on flesh and decided to enter the suffering alongside us. We have not a high priest that is removed from the sufferings of this world. He took on suffering. He took on the sin and the shame that was yours to bear. No other faith can say that. Every other faith wants to bring uh, uh, food and, and bring things to a God that cannot hear. To a God, They want to sacrifice to a God that cannot see, a God that cannot move. But our God is living and active. And he loved us enough to take on flesh and enter the suffering with us. No other God. No other religion can say that that is true about the God, little g, that they worship. So my brothers and sisters, the question that I pose for you today is what doesn't make sense personally in your own life? Because there is an undeniable present reality of evil. Evil is here. So what are the things that happen in your own life that cause you to question God? Is it that 
your prayers have gone unanswered? Is it that you work so hard and your hard work just doesn't seem to be paying off? Do you feel forsaken by your loved ones? Do you feel uh, forsaken by your community? Do you feel uh, forsaken by your government? Do you feel forsaken by God himself? What doesn't make sense in your own life? But my brothers and sisters, there is hope. There is a great hope because God in Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, is causing all things to work together for the good of of us, of we who love him and who are called according to his purpose. On first reading, Psalm 37 doesn't seem like an awkward text at all. But after you consider David's life and you consider his words, it causes you to ask, how can David say that he has been young and now he's old, but he's never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread? Again, David, didn't you pray to God that he would save the life of of your child? Weren't you almost murdered multiple times? Didn't you deal with family dysfunction, David? Didn't one of your own children try to take your throne, David? How can you say then that you have been young and now you are old, but you've never seen the righteous forsaken, David? You see... Again, at at first glance, you may miss that. But in reality, Psalm 37 is not just a feel-good text. My brothers and sisters, it separates the wheat from the chaff. It separates the sheep from the goat. It separates the real from the real fake. It is a text that is meant to challenge us and test our faith in God. So, my brothers and sisters, this is my hope for you. Hope in the sovereign God. Put your hope and your trust in your faith in the sovereign God. And approach the sovereign God with understanding and with humility. Because this is the reality. Isaiah 55 tells us his ways are not our ways. His Thoughts are so much higher than our thoughts. The reality is he can see the end before the beginning. He knows where you are going to end up. He knows how he is going to bless you. He knows how he's going to care for you. He knows how he's going to build character within you. He knows how he is going to use your testimony, your faith, your struggle to empower and embolden people that you could never imagine your testimony and your faith would inspire this is the faith that we need put your hope in the reality of the resurrection because this is why 
It's hard to believe that a fish swallowed Jonah and he was in the belly of a fish for three days. It's hard to believe that a wind came out of nowhere and parted a Red Sea and thousands of people walked through it on dry land. It may be hard for some of us to believe that there was a, you know, nine, 12 foot giant that David used a slingshot to slay. You know what I mean? That may be difficult to believe. But if you can believe the resurrection, all of that other stuff is light work. Because this is why. If God can raise Jesus from the dead, there is nothing that he can't do. There is nothing too hard for God. There is nothing. God can do anything but fail. So, if you are a follower of Jesus, and this is, this is going to be a hard saying, But if you are a follower of Jesus and you need more hope than the resurrection, I think you need to reevaluate your faith. It's good to have supplementary apologetic arguments to be able to philosophize. I love, man, I love reading Alvin Plantinga and I I love reading C.S. Lewis who, who shape my apologetics for and, and, and help me to, eat, to even more solidify my faith in God. But ultimately, my hope is in the resurrection, that it is a reality, and that if Jesus can resurrect, he can do anything. My brothers and sisters, I've got like 12 more pages of notes. But that's where I'm going to end today. Our world is broken. I don't think I would be saying too much to say our world right now is a terrible place to live. But one day we have an, we have a hope that one day death will die evil will die we have the promise from genesis 3 that the seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent and what that means is that jesus the seed of the woman has crushed the head of the serpent We live in this funny period that theologians refer to as the already but not yet. But my brothers and sisters, you can claim your victory over evil, over sin right now because the work was finished at the cross. And that is where our hope is. And we have an eternal hope that we can look toward for the future where there will be no more dying. There will be no more crying unless it's happy crying when we rejoice at the feet of the lamb who was slain for us. There will be no more cancer. No more diabetes. 
but we will we will celebrate at the throne. We will we will be given we will be given crowns. Only to take them right back off and throw them at the feet of our Lord Jesus. Because he will be beautiful. He will be everything that we hoped for, everything that we dreamed of, and he will be more than we ever imagined. Lay hold to that truth. Lay hold to the reality that Jesus, that that God is with us even now, and it gets better. He's already won. The victory is secure. Look to Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. And know that the spirit of the living God, if you believe in Jesus and you have confessed that he is the Lord and he is the Savior, he is within you. What can man do to you? Because if God is for you, he is more than the entire world against you. My brothers and sisters, when things don't make sense, trust in God. Because God in Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, is causing all things to work together for our good. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you that we can look to you. Lord, I needed to hear from your spirit today myself. Because when I look out at the when I look out at the world, I'm hopeless. I don't see anything or anybody that I am willing to put my trust in. But your word tells us some hope in chariots. But your people, we will hope in the name of the Lord. We will trust in the name of the Lord. Politicians will fail us. Friends and family and loved ones who mean well may fail us. But God, you are capable of everything but failure. So you will never fail us. Help us to put our trust in you. Because we've got no other hope. That is the reality of our situation. And help us as brothers and sisters to unify under this reality that our hope and our trust is the triune creator of the universe. And Lord, we thank you. And when we don't believe, help our unbelief. God, we thank you for your gospel. We thank you for your resurrection. We thank you for resurrection life that dwells within each of us. 
Lord, we pray even in this moment that the truth of the gospel would work on the hearts of men and women who may see this that don't know you, Lord. Reveal yourself to them and save them. God, I thank you. It is in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that I do pray. Amen.